Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Pastor Brian Kiley, and today Pastor Lance Hahn and I will be getting into the holiday spirit. The month between Thanksgiving and Christmas is a beautiful time of year, but it's not without its challenges. We'll be providing some practical tips you can use so that this season is fun, joyful, and Christ-honoring for you and your family. We'll also be talking about holidays in general and how we can engage with them as Christ followers. All of that and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. Well, hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 13 of Engaging Culture. I am Brian Kiley, joined as always by my co-host... Pastor Lance Hahn. Well, hello, Brian. Nice to see you. Nice to see you as well. Thanks to all of you who have joined us. And Lance, we're recording this episode early. It's going to be released the day before Thanksgiving, but we're in a week early. But I'm still kind of getting into the holiday spirit. I don't know about you. Um, I'm rather a bah humbug about the holiday season. Rather bah humbug about yes, it. Yes. Huh? So I am not one that brings joy. Now, are you are you a no Christmas music before Thanksgiving person, or what is your rule on that? Um, I tend to avoid it most. Completely, quite frankly, <laughs> no Christmas music. So literally, ever. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. When I say "bah humbug," I, I, you, my whole family is like sad when I come into the room. <laughs> they're they're like decorating and there's joy and celebration and the room smells like cookies and there's like pine needles everywhere and I walk in and a darkness descends upon the room. Wow, I really don't care for holidays. Why not? I, what, do you just have no joy in your heart? Is that uh, it? Is possible <laughs> that that is the exact reason why? Um, now I think it is because um, because of what we do for a living uh-huh. um, is holidays and pressures and more demands yep. come up, and so I think that I associate holidays with more work. Uh-huh. And then I also associate it with high expectations people have and always disappointing them. And that bothers me. <laughs> so I think as a, as a defense mechanism, I basically just shut out all joy. All right. Well, there you go. hey, hey, whatever, wor- whatever works for you. So, yes. well, in light of all of that, you get a lot of questions about holidays from different from different folks. Not yes. just at Christmas time, but you get questions all throughout the year about should I be celebrating this holiday? Uh, is this ho- you know there are pagan roots to this holiday? Do I need to be concerned about that? Why don't you talk to us a little bit about some of the questions that you get, or some of the holidays that you get questions about, and then give us some guidance for for how do we engage with those holidays as as Christ followers? What does our faith teach us? Yeah. So uh, normally I allow you to take the lead on on these podcasts, and then I comment too long. This time I'm going to start by commenting too long, and Great. then I will ask you questions. Wonderful. Doesn't that sound fantastic? Terrific. All right. So you're absolutely right, Pastor Brian, and and that is that I get questions constantly which is, um, Pastor Lance, is this okay, right? Um, Whether it is from the extreme view of maybe some friends that I have that are Jehovah's Witness and Mm -hmm. they they have no observance of holidays, or it's just simple folks from our congregation that are that are concerned about dishonoring the Lord, or is there some way that we're gonna we're gonna be messing this up. So I'm gonna go through the six main holidays 
uh, in America, at least. I mean, there's holidays all over the world. But I want to just give a real brief background. And I, each time I'm going to ask what your tradition is. Okay. Because since I've already revealed that I'm the Bah Humbug. You have no tradition to I reveal no other tra- than making your family sad. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. That's right. So I'm going to ask what you do for each one of these holidays. Okay. And then I want to kind of put some stuff in perspective and then we'll dive into more things. Great. All right, so let's let's begin with the one that's coming up nearest to us. Now, once again, we're recording early, so yeah. you and I are heading um, straight into Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I, I remember as I was growing up thinking, wow, this is so weird that America, which I grew up not, not I had always heard that we were a Christian nation, but I never saw that. You know, I've grown up on the left coast, right? The the West Coast. I've grown up on uh, much more of a uh, liberal mindset. I've grown up with much more, not very much tradition. It's not in the South. It's not in the Midwest. Right. And so I never had things where some people go, man, when I was growing up, you know, before every Little League game, we would pray and stuff. I didn't have any of that. Yeah. So I always felt like I was in a secular nation. Mm-hmm. So when all of a sudden Thanksgiving came around, I remember thinking, who are they all thanking? Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't even make sense to me. Now, to me, every time I thank anyone, it's God, right? Yeah. I mean, when you're talking about grand blessings of sure. life. All right, so it is for Thanksgiving to God. That is how mm-hmm. Thanksgiving got rolling. But it's a harvest concept. What we find out is that because we come from a background in society in the world that was heavily agriculture, mm-hmm. you're going to find a lot of our holidays really center around harvest. And the right. idea was, if you got a good harvest, things were going to go well for you. Right. If you had a bad harvest, it was going to be really brutal, mm-hmm. right? So uh, sure enough, Thanksgiving comes from a harvest. Now, here's the funny thing. Uh, there is a recording of 1619, the year 1619, is the first recorded reference to celebrating um, Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Now, but we always think about it as the Plymouth Rock one. That happened actually years later. That happened at 1621. So it actually was before that. And that first thing was um, 38 settlers came up and they came through a shipping company called the London Company. And they Mm -hmm. said, if we make this journey, and I think this is cool, let me read this. London Company said... The day of our ship's arrival at the place assigned in the land of Virginia, it shall be yearly and perpetually kept holy as a day of thanksgiving to the almighty God. Hmm. That was like the company's like charter. Yeah, that's cool. If we make this, we are going to thank (laughs) God (laughs) a whole bunch. Well, then, of course, uh, George Washington proclaimed the first nationwide Thanksgiving celebration in America, uh, marking November 26, 1789, as, quote, a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of Almighty God. All right. Now, having said all of that, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, let's kick off with that. It is a focus, no matter which way you look at it, mm-hmm. everyone's background was we are thanking God for what we have. Mm-hmm. I think now you and I share a passion of saying that we don't like when our hearts would ever lean towards entitlement, mm-hmm. we like to live lives of gratitude. Yeah. So this is kind of a big deal. Do you do a big celebration and around the table? Do you have any traditions where you're sharing thanks? Yeah, no, it's, um, I, I completely agree. I think that, that first of all, Thanksgiving is, is, is so such a helpful holiday in a sense, just because it does, 
help us consciously war against that sense of entitlement and thankfulness, which is which is huge. Uh, in my family, Thanksgiving is probably the biggest family gathering we have. For for years, it was we have a, a good contingent here in, in Sacramento and a good contingent in L.A. For a while, we would alternate where everyone would go to L.A. or Sacramento. And for whatever reason, for the last several years, it's all been Sacramento. I think it's because I have young children and there are no other young children in our family. So everyone's like, OK, you win. We'll throw you a bone and come to Sacramento. And, and I love it. It's my dad comes from a family of eight kids, and I think seven of the kids, well, they're not kids, they're you know my parents' age, but seven of them will be, will be here this time. And, and it's a wonderful time. Very few of them are believers, so there's not a, a tremendously Christian connotation to Thanksgiving in, in, in my house, other than a, a pre-meal prayer, which frankly, I just find awkward more than anything. <laughs> We're going to pray with a bunch of non-believers. Okay, here we go. Right. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is, and it's an opportunity to give thanks. And I, and I do think there's a there's an emphasis on thankfulness within my family, which I'm grateful for. And then within my smaller, you know, my nuclear family, my wife and my kids, it's an opportunity for us to be a little bit more overt and intentional in our just our sense of thankfulness to God. And that's just something I'm trying to, to, to lead my wife in and my kids in all the time is just man, let, let's just live a life of, of thankfulness because what's the alternative? <laughs> really? Right. <laughs> really? So that's, that's kind of, that's our family's deal. Well, from a, from a secular perspective, if somebody says, man, I'm really thankful to have a job. Mm-hmm. It's funny because it is, who are you thanking? What do you mean you're thank? Is it, is it like, I'm thanking the great fortune? I'm thank like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't even understand what th- I'm thankful for means in a secular mindset. Well, I mean, yes and what no. Does it mean? Like I get that, I get that, I mean, if I'm understanding your point correctly, you're saying, well, you're thankful, but it's like a verb without an object. I'm running, but you're running to what? You're not, you know. Right. But I, but I think that I don't think you necessarily have to be a Christian or even a theist to be thankful. You can just have a general sense of, I am just really grateful that I have the family I have. I'm grateful that I have the job. So I, you know, I don't, I don't think, I think you can be generally thankful without having an object of your thanks. See, I, I don't understand that because <laughs> thanks is a directive. It is, uh, it is said towards someone. It's an appreciation for someone's act. So to say, I feel fortunate is different. And, and I think that's how they mean it. I feel fortunate. Good True. things have come, and I'm glad good things have come. Now, they could say it happened by random accident, mm-hmm. and I'm happy about it. Yeah. But to use phrases like grateful or thankful yeah. actually have a directive to them. It seems so strange to me. I guess you're probably right, and I think that the the it's maybe some imprecise language where words like thankful are being used yes. when when maybe fortunate or or you know just a sense of gratitude would be a better yeah. well I don't know about gratitude anyway th- those words right. maybe fit a little bit more uh, I, you know I think that it's it's these opportunities for for thankfulness are are a wonderful opportunity I think just as as Christ followers just from a witnessing standpoint oh it's huge to just to acknowledge. Especially in a post-Christian world, especially yeah. in a world where there's there, there's plenty of misunderstandings about what Christianity is and how it works, just to, just to have that perspective of of you know I I on my own I, I don't deserve a whole lot, but but God has been kind to me better better than I deserve, and He can never bless me with another thing, and I'd still be better than I deserve, and I'm just really really thankful for that, and I think there's something about a posture of gratitude, authentic gratitude. Now we can ham it up and be sure. fake all we want, but authentic gratitude that, that I think is is appealing to the human heart. Well, and something that you just triggered in me was thinking about 
man, holidays are a time when you can talk about the cool, fun, joyful things of God. Yep. Like just think Thanksgiving, you would go, man, it, all conversations are not awkward to be able to say, I have been blessed in my life. Yep. That I think that automatically raises glory to God. Um, now, I, when we go to our Thanksgiving kind of celebrations around all of our family that we have it with are Christians. Mm-hmm. And so we always started it with the little kids. Let's go yeah. around and everybody gives something that they're thankful for. So we yeah. actually we actually do that. That's and cool. to be honest, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Well, there you um, go. Because it is yummy food, it is family, <laughs> and it is chilling out. So you'll at least <laughs> smile on Thanksgiving. Yes, yeah, yes. No, no Thanksgiving church service to get ready for. No, it is the only... <laughs> Only holiday you ever want to be with me on. All right, let's move to the next one. Let's talk a little bit about um, Christmas. All right, so Christmas tide uh, is kind of how things um, became more familiar to people, and that was the twelve days of Christmas. Christmas what? Christmas tide. Tide. Christmas tide. I don't know what that That is. That is a long season. It is the Christmas season. Was called Christmas tide. So tidings right. of good joy and all Got those it. types of things. Okay. So Christmas tide, or maybe even just a detergent. <laughs> Christmas time? <laughs> no, tide. So that is the 12 days of Christmas. And, and literally Christmas means Christ mass, right? right? And it refers to the Eucharist and yeah. things like that. The other thing that I think is super funny is I have a lot of, or used to, I don't have as many anymore because I think I probably discouraged them. But um, a lot of people used to be very upset about the Xmas. Yeah. <laughs> the the little Xmas, which I do all the time because uh-huh. I type so much. Right. I'm always communicating and writing and writing out Christmas. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I got to do it real fast, especially if you're texting. Sure. But here's what a lot of people forget. The X is actually for the Greek letter Chi, which yeah. is the first letter of Christos, yeah. which means Christ. So it's not a, I'm removing Jesus. Right. It's a, I'm shortening Jesus's it's a name. Symbol for Jesus. And who who came up with Xmas? It was Christian. <laughs> it was Christian. Not somebody trying to take Christ out of Christmas. So yes, that's yes. an excellent point. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, and I do have a, a couple questions for you, but let me just uh, highlight one other thing. Yeah. One of the biggest challenges to Christmas is that everybody tries to bring up the winter solstice with the Romans. Mm-hmm. And that was a time when they were worshiping the Roman god Sol Evictus. And, you know, since AD 274, the birthday of the sun, mm-hmm. and, you know, all these different things. Um, what's interesting is uh, I stumbled across an article where Augustine, you know, famous Christian guy, yep. way back in the day, he actually merged the two together and uh-huh. said, Jesus Christ is the sun, meaning the 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 dawn of the new glory for us. And yeah. he tied the two together and actually used the winter solstice as a way to preach a message. Right. But a lot of people say, you know, it's this, it's all pagan because it comes back and everybody, that's not really when Jesus was born, mm-hmm. but that's a time when the winter solstice was going on. So we are copying and leaning into pagan culture, mm-hmm. right? So. Right. Um, but there are a couple other pieces in there. You have some ideas about uh, how there's sometimes people celebrate multiple Christmas. There's like a secular Christmas and a, right. and a Christian. But I would like to know also mostly from you because you've become a recent expert in this <laughs> and sometimes staying up till two in the morning trying to finish guides. But you've been writing a lot on Advent. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about what Advent is? Yeah, I, I love Advent. And I, I actually, I really don't consider myself an expert just because I think there's so much richness to, to lean into. But yeah, I'd say in the last maybe five to seven years of my life, um, kind of just 
trying to make a trying to be more intentional about acknowledging the Advent season. This period of four weeks leading up to Christmas. Advent is a Latin word that means arrival or coming, and I like the idea of it's a season of anticipation uh, in two different senses. It's we're anticipating the celebration of Christ's first Advent, his first coming. And it's meant to be a time where we live with a heightened sense of anticipation looking forward to Christ's second coming. And, and it's a season that is rich with really beautiful symbols. I One of my favorite things to do during the season, and, and we've never done this at home, mostly because my kids are too small and I think we'd burn down the house, but I love at church getting to light the Advent candles because to me, there's something about a flickering candle in a dark room that, that so beautifully symbolizes that Jesus is the light of the world. Uh, and then Advent has different themes. We have the theme of hope and peace and joy and love. There's such richness to the different kind of trappings of the season that for me, as I've tried to lean into them, uh, both personally and then pastorally, as I'm trying to lead others in that, it just creates a different flavor in this season. It's, it is a time of year that I genuinely look forward to in large part because just for my own spiritual life, my own sense of connection with God, my own just reminding my silly heart that gets distracted by a hundred other things, that, that I'm a part of something big and beautiful that's not about me, man, Advent season just does that for me. So I, I love this time of year. And to me, as, as Christ followers, leaning into Advent is a way for us to, to allow this season to be the blessing that I believe God wants it to be. Uh, and we can lose that if we're not intentional. I, I I personally have to thank you and and some of the leaders here that first started bringing Advent back into Bridgeway. Mm-hmm. Um, I never had any experience with Advent, mm-hmm. and the more and more that you lean into it, because you and I are so close, mm-hmm. it it enriches my whole entire season. So. I've been very amazed at how much I can lean into Advent and the power yeah. of it. I, I'm so informal and have mm-hmm. always been so informal that I've never done any of the um, you know traditional pieces. Yeah. And yet there's such beauty, as you were saying, there's such power and depth that, that comes into this. Yeah. I'm very thankful to you for your dedication to keep it at Bridgeway yeah. and keep it rich. Oh, no, thanks. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting, and it's been neat to see our congregation engage with it. And even this year, as we've kind of taken the big step from in years past, we've created these little guides that have one devotional per week. Well, now we have one devotional per day for, for 30 days, which has been a big project. And Pastor Matt and, and you and Pastor Parnell and others have done a lot of writing, and uh, Ashley and our kids way team and it's just it's a it's an exciting thing to be able to present to our congregation and, and I really hope kind of my hope and my prayer for us as a church leaning into advent is that it's formative for us and, and that it is it is it causes us as a congregation to be released into the community released into Christmas parties released into shopping malls released into all of the kind of different stuff that is associated with this season just with a greater sense of peace a greater sense of I mean I belong to Jesus and I, I'm the season is about celebrating him with a greater sense of love for our fellow human whether they're Christ followers or not and just as we do that that God would be glorified in that so that's what I'm really praying uh, these advent guides and just the, the a couple minutes we'll spend focusing on Advent each week in our services. I'm, I'm praying that that will be kind of the effect of all of that. That's that's super good. Um, I know there's a lot of different pieces of the um, Christmas time that people want to talk about. Where did the yeah. the Yule log come from and the Christmas sure. tree and how does it work? You know, um, all these different things. But the one that I just wanted to highlight real quick 
is the whole St. Nicholas thing, right? Oh, the, okay. the the yeah. Santa Claus thing. That's good. Because the, the reason why, you know, <laughs> you know, I've been everywhere from places where people celebrate and still have Santa and Jesus, kind uh-huh. of the whole idea where it's just fun. Uh-huh. And then I've been around people that call him Satan Claus, <laughs> right? <laughs> where it's like, you know, he's taking away from Jesus, and the only time they'll ever have him is when he's bowing down at the manger. <laughs> you know, those types of things. But here's what I love about the idea of Santa Claus is regardless of what really happened, mm-hmm. there is a tie-in to a man that was selfless yep. and he cared for people. And the reason why that's so important is because not only is that he did it because Jesus did it ultimately. Yeah. And what I love is that we grow as human beings by role modeling. And we actually have a celebrity that sacrificed for people and cared for the poor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, boom, that's a win. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Man, yeah. I love that. Yeah. You know, I get all the other trappings and everything else gets thrown in. Oh, well, it's, you know, it's all about presence and it's this and that. It doesn't have to be. Right. It can be beautiful and rich. That we can say. St. Nicholas is somebody we really admire, that he was a Christ-like person in his generosity and his desire to bless people. Yeah. So now let me ask you this. This is something you and I talked about a little bit as we were preparing for the episode. Is is there's there's so much that goes on during this season. And I'm gonna this is gonna be a total leading question, by the way. So just make sure you say what I, I feel want led. You to say. <laughs> There's so much so much about the season, obviously. There's gifts, there's parties, there's warm drinks, there's Christmas lights, there's all of this. And, and in the midst of that, oftentimes the posture of the church is, hey, let's remember the reason for the season. Let's keep Christ in Christmas, kind of all of that stuff. And, and I guess for me, I, I, I've always struggled a little bit with the way that those two elements of this season are set up like they're in opposition to each other. Right. I don't understand that. It's almost like I know there's lots of fun, but let's remember Jesus. And it's like, uh, <laughs> why is those <laughs> why are yeah. those things opposite? Uh, could you maybe speak to that a little bit? And how do how do we get away from this this um, kind of dividing the season into two things? And if anything, how can how can Jesus make the rest of this stuff all the more better? Being happy and joyful is worship. And, and and this is what's so absurd Amen. is it is the world gets the sense from us of hey you guys stop okay everyone stop being happy for a second I need to talk about Jesus yeah. and I you're know like, you want presents let's read the Bible <laughs> right <laughs> it's like okay push away all the things that make you smile and now we're going to talk about the Lord yeah I think that is such just like you I think it is such a disservice it is the worst to be able to pull joy away from Jesus he is the joy of the world he is yeah. I mean he is you know when he would bring up the way that I picture Jesus and I think a lot of this is where it stems from people see him as stoic guy quiet guy, reserve guy, depressed guy, because of how he's been portrayed in different movies and things like that. I'm going to tell you right now, I believe that Jesus was very witty and joyful and a storyteller and everything else. Mm -hmm. I read it and you know, I'm pretty heavy into scripture, right? right? So I know this stuff backwards and forwards. I believe that the only reason the little children wanted to come to him and crawl up on his lap is because he's funny. Yeah. I think the whole idea was, I want to be around this guy. The parents weren't forcing it on him. The little children, he said, let the little children come to me. And the little kids are like, man, this guy's awesome. Why can't that be blended and actually be a way to minister to people and go, man, Jesus 
was at parties. Yeah. There's a reason why, mm-hmm. because he is a blast. Yeah. And he is so fun and so joyful. And when we really love him and we're filled up with all his great things and we are happy and joyful, man, that just raises praise to him. Yep. Yeah. Amen. So I guess, I, you know, I, I would say, and I, I, I feel comfortable saying this on, on your behalf as well, just, just an encouragement to our, our listeners. Get out and enjoy Christmas lights. Get out and enjoy have parties. Fun. Get out and just have a great time and let it be worship in the sense that it's it stirs up thankfulness in you. It stirs up a greater awareness of God's gifts. Do you know build build gingerbread houses with your kids, you know, whatever you're into, do all that stuff. Enjoy hot cocoa, you know, tell stories, watch the movies, do all that, and let it all be an act of worship. We don't need to separate our worship into something that is entirely stoic and sort of detached from the fun of the season. It can all be together, and I think that's beautiful. Let me let me take it one more one more layer deeper, and that is, I believe that because we fall into stoic patterns and formality and seriousness, I think sin has a deeper lure. Um, it because what we're doing is we pit God in serious and sin in fun, when in fact we're built for fun. And so we were, we are creating an unnecessary temptation. Yeah. God designed the Jewish people to have celebrations built into their schedule. Mm-hmm. So they would be emptying themselves in joy and laughter and fun. So they didn't have to long for all the other things. Yep. We are supposed to be so filled up with joy and fun that the world fun pales in comparison. And I think that we are stripping away the fun and making things harder. Amen. Couldn't agree more. So, that, all right. We're going to we're going to come back to Thanksgiving and Christmas and kind of how to handle some of the specifics of this season, but yep. why don't we why don't we hit the other Let's holidays? Let's keep moving on. Yeah, here. sorry about that. Um, talk briefly about Halloween, right? Yep. Also known as uh, the hallowed evening or holy evening, um, All Hallows Eve, All Saints Eve. Basically, it's everything that was before All Saints Day. So what's interesting, and I, I know that there's so much like, well, it's ghosts and paganism and witches and this and that, and everybody puts darkness on it. Now, uh, I'll get to that in a moment, but we need to remember that it begins the three-day observance of All Hallowtide. We're putting back the tide, tide. in it. Man, All Hallowtide. And what it was, was to remember great Christians, people that you've loved that have passed away. Mm-hmm. It was to remember the saints and martyrs. Mm-hmm. Well, that is a pretty awesome concept, is that you would have a day and go, and man, all our role models, we have a great cloud of witnesses. Yeah. This is what we're going to celebrate. Um, now, here's where everything got dark, is that... Um, some of it really got tied into Roman feasts and and stuff where we call it, you know, the Celtic Festival of Samhain, which is not actually pronounced Samhain. Actually, it's Simois or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, but it was about the harvest season, the beginning of the winter, where it was a darker half of the year. But the the part that began to get a little bit odd and scary was that there was a lot of pagan festivals that believed that spirits were nearer mm-hmm. during that time. And so there was a lot of pagan dealing with the dead. Yeah. And and so I'm I'm gonna say I get why some people are super nervous mm-hmm. about Halloween. But as we you know, as I get into that wrap up thing, I'm gonna tell you how I think we should look at all these um, holidays and how we can transform them around. But for you, how do you yeah. personally engage? You have two little guys, right? How do you personally engage with Halloween? 
we love Halloween. We have a great time. Our, our kids dress up. I even dressed up this year. I couldn't tell you the last time I wore a Halloween costume. Wow. It's probably been at least five or six years. It was my wife's fault. She she goaded me into it. But anyway, she made you uh, have joy. She did. She made me have joy. So, but it was great. We had a great time, and we, you know, we got together with neighbors, and we went around the neighborhood. We got candy, and the whole thing was the whole thing was cool. And I, and I think that that to me, I I always encourage when I have the opportunity. I encourage Christians to be present in their neighborhood during Halloween. Hey, this is the mission field is coming to you. Goodness gracious, you know, turn on your lights, give out great candy, smile and and have a good time. But now I'll say this, even when I give out that advice, I always have the caveat. I say, if your background is one where this yes. is a t- this is a holiday that has deep dark spiritual connotations for you, then avoid it. Yes. You know, I had a friend in That's seminary, seminary who was yep. from a different culture who for him Halloween was a big no-go because of stuff he had seen. 100% respect that because I yes. get that there are places, there are cultures where the spiritual component is a big deal. And to the extent that that's the case, yeah, Halloween should absolutely be avoided. But for me, for example, Halloween, there's nothing spiritual about it in the sense that you know we're not engaging with any sort of that darkness. It's costumes and candy and fun. And for us, it's it's an opportunity to minister to our, our neighbors. We put out you know hot chocolate at the end of the driveway and say you know chaperones help yourself. And we sit in the driveway, we we give out candy, and, and we all have we all have a great time. So that's kind of our family tradition. I just think with so many of these holidays, heart and background are a big deal. You know, we talk about Thanksgiving, talk about Christmas, talk about Halloween, even the ones we're going to get to. Where's your heart in all of this? Is is your heart drawn towards what is dark? Is your heart drawn towards materialism? Is your heart dr- drawn towards gluttony? Those are all negatives, but your heart doesn't have to go that direction. It, it certainly doesn't. All right, let me go to the, the easiest one, the quickest yep. one. Yep. That's St. Patrick's Day. Now, if you are Look going at the to Irish. be, yeah, if you're going to be, if you have an Irish background, man, this is huge. Um, but for a lot of people, it just becomes a fun party. Have you know, hang out with people thing. Well, this is all celebrating on 17th of March is the traditional death date mm-hmm. of St. Patrick who lived from 8385 to 461. Now, here here's the deal with him. It it became a feast day in the 17th century, so mm-hmm. in the 1600s. But here's his story. His story was he actually was um a fifth-century Christian missionary and bishop to Ireland because at the age of 16, he was kidnapped and he was taken to Ireland, was there for six years, found God, and then he went back home, became Mm -hmm. a priest. Then he returned to proselytize and bring Christianity to Ireland and then went head-to-head with a lot of stuff that he felt was pagan. All right, so that's St. Patrick. It goes right back to the whole St. Nicholas thing for me. Man, you got a guy who said... I've had a lot of pain in this nation, but now Jesus has transformed it and redeemed it. I'm bringing it back, right. and I'm going to redeem this place, and I'm going to talk about the power of my Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. What a cool role model. Yeah, he, he's an, he is an amazing person. And to, to, to allow St. Patrick's Day, with all the other, you know, the other stuff we associate with it, to allow it to be an opportunity to reflect on, on a pretty phenomenal life, like, there, there's value in that, I think. Do you have any and, connection to that holiday? Do you need, I mean, do I'm anything? Irish, but not really. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I mean, right. no, sorry. I am Irish, period. But not really. I don't have many traditions related to, to St. Patrick's Day uh, other than, you know, my parents giving me the little chocolate gold coins when I was a kid because the quote unquote leprechauns would come. Yes. Uh, but no, it's not really a big deal in my family. Uh, right on. Okay. So we're going to move to one that I know that um, has, you know, changed your life, my life. 
living in America, that's the 4th of July. So that's Independence Day, right? So on July 4th, 1776, there was the adoption of the Declaration of Independence, where Continental Congress declared that 13 American colonies regarded themselves as a new nation as the United States of America, no longer part of the British Empire. Well, here's I, I did find this. Um, John Adams wrote to his wife in uh, in the second day of July, 1776. He said, this needs to be a big day in America, right? So he was saying that. He said, I believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as a great anniversary festival to be commemorated as a day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. And it goes on and on and on. John Adams? Yes. Oh, I didn't know it's that. It's crazy. It's a personal letter from him to his wife. Do you know what day John Adams died? I do not. It was on the 4th of July. And oh. I want to say 1826. 50 years to the day. Wow. Thomas Jefferson, same day. Anyway, done with my nerdy trivia. Go on. That's super good. And Anyway, the whole idea that he wrote personally and he said, this is a God day. Yeah. Um, which I think is That's super cool. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, you know, you can look at it and say, wow, all it does really is celebrate rebellion. You know, some people can look at that and go, yay, we're all saying happy, we killed people and got away. We all love rebellion when we're on the side of the rebels. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but the, do you have anything that you guys do on 4th of July? Not really. When I was a kid, we would go to, go to um, the Oregon coast with my, my mom's family, and we actually did that this last year for the first time in probably 20 years. But, you know, the f- fireworks and just hang yes. out as a family, go, to either, go with either my parents or my in-laws or something like that. So, you know, kind of the, the typical yeah. stuff. I don't know that it's... It's a big kind of blowout celebration, uh, but you know we enjoy the the trappings, if you will. Yeah, it, How about it, you? it well, it ends up being I think for a lot of young boys. Now, I I was a little communicative, sensitive guy, so uh-huh. not, uh, clearly I'm not one of these. But basically, it was a day to blow stuff up. Yeah, praise the Lord. All right, final one is mm-hmm. Easter, and mm-hmm. that's one that we make a big deal out of, of course, uh, especially here at Bridgeway. The idea of Resurrection Sunday, the idea that Jesus Christ raised from the dead on this day, and everything changed. It is the very foundation of Christianity. Now, once again, it gets slammed because it's like, well, what about the the pagan roots? And this is where it came with the egg and the fertility rites and the fertility festivals. And are we really celebrate? Well, I'm just going to tell you that for the Christians, historically, um, the first day of the week on that Resurrection Sunday was a huge turning point, mm-hmm. and they've been talking about it ever since. The resurrection of Jesus is the core to the gospel. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's a really, really big deal. Uh, so without getting too much into the rest of it, uh, do you? how do you feel about Easter? Uh, I am pro-Easter. <laughs> Good. I like Easter. Big fan of Easter. Like it. Yeah, no, I think I think this is a, this is a, as good a point as any to to make a point that I was going to make about Christmas earlier, and that is that I think culturally we have sort of two versions of these holidays, right? There's Easter, which is the Christian holiday, the resurrection of Jesus, literally the most important event in human history. It's it is the it is a big deal. There's a reason why we put a lot of emphasis on it as a church. It, I mean, it, you cannot overstate the importance, the beauty, the value of Easter. If you're a Christian who doesn't get excited about Easter check your pulse, right? Like it's a big deal. But then there's also things like Easter bunnies and eggs and candy and brunch. And like, that's all fine. I guess in my way that I've, in my mind, as I've tried to kind of parse these things out is, is there are actually two holidays called Easter, 
just like there are two holidays called Christmas. Uh, They both happen to be celebrated on the same day. And it's okay, in my opinion, as Christ followers to enjoy both. The focus of Easter is celebrating the resurrection. The focus of of Easter is is new life. Jesus is no longer in the tomb. He is risen. He is ruling and reigning. And and all of the beautiful, joyful, wonderful implications of that. Uh, And then with that, you know what? Let's have some jelly beans. Let's go out to brunch after church. Let's enjoy uh, being a family. If Easter egg hunts is what you're into with your kid, you know, do that. That's all. That's all well and good. You know, Christmas time, exchange gifts, go to uh, go to Christmas performances. Uh, you know, go to the parties, do all that stuff. It's I, if anything, I think the fact that as Christ followers that we understand the meaning of of kind of true Christmas and true Easter, if anything, can help bring some richness to sort of the secular version of these holidays. And I just think it creates an open door for for sharing the the hope that we have around these holidays that that we enjoy kind of the secular aspects of it, but we know that there's a richness to it that, that enlivens all of it. I still, you know, am amazed walking through the mall and there would be the Savior's born song yeah. going over the mall. That's just crazy to me. Joy to, to the me. world, the Lord has come. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's just, and, that that is stunning. Yeah. So let me, let me just put a little cap on this piece and I want to hand back to you because I know that we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, how to bring joy into our holidays, how yep. to go to our own personal celebrations, stuff uh-huh. like that. But um, I think there's two passages of scripture that I would like to relate to how we should put a, a framework on this whole holiday thing. The first one is in Acts 17, 16 through 34. Okay. And it is Paul the apostle uh, was hanging out in Athens, Greece. And it says, quote, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he starts going around and ministering, saying, man, these people don't know Jesus. Mm -hmm. I need them to know Jesus. And so they brought him to a place called Mars Hill. And they said, tell us more about what you're talking about. This is what he said. I think it's so powerful. Verse 22. Paul, standing in the midst of it, said, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he goes on and on and starts Mm -hmm. telling the gospel. Okay, here's why I think this is so powerful. Paul said, people don't know Jesus, and instead of getting angry he went into blessing mode. He went into gospel sharing mode. You're looking around and everybody's celebrating these things and you're going, they're doing it secular. What's your response? Automatically you go, well, I want to bring Jesus into it. I want to bless them. I want to be a part of their joy. I want to change their perspective. Mm -hmm. So he took something that was pagan, they said to an unknown God, and he redeemed it, turned it around, said, you call it an unknown God. I'm telling you, I know the guy. Yeah. And he's amazing. Yeah. That type of cultural redemption of take it doesn't matter where it started from. Mm-hmm. I don't and that's my big feeling towards all of this is everyone goes, you know the roots. I don't care. I'm redeeming it. I'm buying it back. I'm redefining it because yeah. in my family, in my life, we are saying Jesus is king and it colors everything even backwards. So to me, I believe in the power of redeeming holidays 
and keeping them strong and Christ-focused, regardless of what other people think they are, yep. we're going to infuse Jesus into them. What Absol- are your thoughts? Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I, I love the, the Mars Hill passage uh, from, uh, from Acts 17, and I love that he creates a, a cultural point of contact, right? That he, he sees a need or a curiosity in his culture and sees that as an opportunity to, to talk about the Lord. And that you think about, you know, he could have come in and said, well, you know, that's a, that's a pagan statue and shame on you for having a pagan statue up here yep. and what is this unknown god stuff and da, 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 da. instead he was he was listening to his culture paying attention to his culture enough to say okay i see a need that that these people have i see a curiosity that they have and i see a way that god might speak into that curiosity and that i might be able to use that to bring blessing and that's exactly what he does and i think the the christmas season and Thanksgiving to a degree as well, is full of opportunities for us to engage in that sort of way. I, I agree. I don't think, I mean, with very few exceptions, I don't think we need to get too bent out of shape over the uh, kind of the, the origin of a lot of traditions that maybe aren't overtly Christian. If anything, how can we as Christ followers redeem them in a, in a fun, exciting, Christ-honoring way that, that exudes joy, not, not kind of dusty religiosity and not this sort of kind of curmudgeonly sort of thing that, that too often gets associated with, with, I think, kind of a negative, a negative vibe towards some of the, some of the cultural stuff. Well, think about it practically. Let's say that all Christians wanted to boycott some pagan holiday. And yeah. so everyone stays home and is sad. Boy, that really did <laughs> yeah. a good advertisement for Jesus, That's didn't right. it? Hey, while you guys are having fun, we're going to go be sad over here and hang out by yeah. ourselves. Tell me about this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What is this, I, Jesus? I want what you have. <laughs> yeah. Save me from this fun. Good grief. <laughs> it's ridiculous. All right, yeah. so the second one, um, and I don't know if I mentioned it here on the podcast, I, I use the phrase quite a bit, um, demon meat. Right. I don't know if I, I've yes. shared that here on the podcast, but I, I share it a lot on on uh, Ask Pastor Lance and things yeah. like that. But basically, here's what we have is there was um, a, a, a view back in the time when Jesus was around and when Paul was around that there were meat markets that you would go and purchase your meat. And a lot of it came from the different temples in the area. Mm-hmm. And what would happen was people would bring in an offering to offer, a, offer to a god or goddess. Mm hmm. They would give a little portion and burn it up for that God, but now they had a whole cow left. So they're like, what are we going to do with this? So they chop it up and put it into the butcher meat market. And so people would come by and they would be like, oh, okay, well, they're just going to buy their hamburger meat and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, the Christians started going, um... I don't think that's a great idea because that food was just offered to a demon. Mm-hmm. And so I really don't want to eat it because that's not only gross, but I feel like I'm taking part in that celebration. And so I don't want to do that because what they would do is as they offered it, they were offering up the whole cow to the goddess mm-hmm. or God, and then they would sell it off. And they're like, is it infused with demon stuff? Like what's going on with that? Anyway, it was so significant that even the Jerusalem council, the early Christian big dogs, they laid it down in Acts 15, 19 through 21. It says, it is our judgment that those that come in contact with Jesus should, and they give them a little list, abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from uh, things that had been strangled from blood. They had little um, little guidelines and rules Mm -hmm. for what food you could eat. All right. So that only made everyone more concerned and paranoid. Yeah. 
Eventually, Paul had to straighten it out. And here's what he said in 1 Corinthians 8, 4 through 13. He said, as far as eating food offered to idols, we know that, quote, an idol has no real existence and there's no God but one. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as demon meat. <laughs> right. It's not a real thing. Yeah. For although there may be so-called gods, there is one Lord God the Father, from whom all things exist. He said, and this is the key, verse 7, however, not all possess this knowledge, but some through former association with idols eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. We are no worse, he said, however, we are no worse off if we do not eat, no better off if we do eat, but take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Mm-hmm. All right, so here's here's the last piece on this, and that is on all these holidays, every, you said if you have a connotation that has been attached to it, like I know people who have been ritually abused mm-hmm. um, in satanic worship. Yeah. Okay, Halloween's never going to be a place of joy for them until Jesus is fully done redemption. Right. And even then, I don't think that they automatically think of it as fun. Mm-hmm. So... There are history things that distort. Sure. And there is nothing wrong with being a good steward of your body and a good steward of your mind and saying, I'm going to sit this one out. I think that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. But we have to remember there's no real, we are creating the attachment because God is the God of all things. Mm -hmm. We can redeem anything because he's redeemed all things. So having had all that freedom, we also need to be aware not everybody sees it like we do. So we walk with humility. We mm-hmm. walk with love. We walk with care and compassion. We're not trying to shove our ideas on somebody else yeah. because it may hurt them. Any any yep. thoughts on no, that? No, that's 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 great. Totally agree. I think that the passage from First Corinthians about about demon meat is so funny because on the surface it's like, okay, all right, meat sacrificed to idols. Don't don't know that that's a live issue in my life, and yet. It speaks to so many different issues, kind of that, just the concept behind it. And exactly what you shared is is is, is completely right. I'm, I'm with you on all that. So that's good yeah. stuff. Help us turn the uh, corner. Yeah, let's talk about let's, going to our own celebration. All right. So we're moving into the holiday season. We got Thanksgiving. We got Christmas and all of that stuff. And I love this time of year for, for a lot of different reasons. It certainly has not without its challenges, but, but it's fun. Just kind of a different rhythm, different routine. Um, around the church, things start to wind down in terms of terms of classes and all that. And then there's always sort of a buzz around Christmas, which is which is pretty exciting. Now, number of different opportunities and challenges that this season faces, and we can just talk about a few of them yeah. uh, in, in the time we have left. So family, family and, and maybe friends. There's, there's a lot of time and a lot of togetherness in, in, uh, in these holiday seasons. And for some people, that's very exciting. For others, it can be very stressful. For most, I think it's kind of a combination of the two. Sure. There's some joy and some, <laughs> some complication. You know, worry and complication. Uh, how do you go about uh, managing the holidays with maybe difficult or challenging family members? Yeah, I think um, right off the... Right off the bat, I think you got to walk in with a different mindset. I think because sometimes we walk into holiday seasons with our family and we go, I'm here to be filled up. And then we're disappointed or angry because mm-hmm. somebody did something we didn't like. Yeah, I think that as Christians, we tend to need to be thinking you are the light. Mm-hmm. So when you walk in, you're coming in bringing a light. Yeah. You're not expecting a light. Yeah. Like, like, you know, um, if, and, and here's the funny thing, if you have a flashlight, 
darkness, it's not bad. Yeah. Like you go, well, this is why I have a flashlight. I'm not angry at the cavern. I actually went into the cavern because I have a flashlight. Right. So walking in and saying, I'm going to bring a small matter or a large matter of brightness to this celebration, to my family. I'm going to find a way to bless them. If they say something to me that does not line up with my viewpoints, why would I be surprised by that? Right. Of course they will. My job is how do I season that conversation with joy? How do I yeah. season it with life? Yeah, absolutely. What are your thoughts? I on think that? I think a, f- a few different a few different elements is is first of all this is so simple but it's so hard to do because we're selfish people and I struggle with this as much as anybody. But honestly, if you just go into gatherings seeking to show interest in other people, yeah, it's so simple but so profound. What is every single human on the planet's favorite subject to talk about, including you, including me, ourselves? themselves? Right. We love it. So if you want to be a blessing to your family members, ask them questions. That's it. Show interest in their life. Find out what's going on. Find out what they've been up to. And it's interesting for me, even even a number of my family members on, you know, either my side or my in-laws side where I'm like, okay, you know, hey, listen, there there are a wide number of subjects we could bring up here that 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 (laughs) there would not be a lot of agreement necessarily. We don't have to talk about those things. Like we just don't. Like we just don't. I've had literally had this happen where a distant family member wore a t-shirt proclaiming a belief that I thought was not a good one. We'll just put it as diplomatically as we can. And you know what we did? We sat and had a nice 20 or 30 minute conversation about all sorts of things unrelated to the t-shirt that he was wearing. And you know what? We had a nice time. And it's easy. It's actually not that hard to do that if your focus is on, you know what? Like, I don't really care that people here are different than me. I don't care that I've got the, you know, the relative that I feel like is crazy. For all I know, they might think I'm crazy too. But you know what? We can still have a good time together and we can enjoy each other. So just show interest. Now, it's funny. I was discussing this with my wife last night and I was just expressing to her how, you know, it's I'm just very comfortable around different types of people. But I found that for a lot of folks, especially folks who are maybe in a Christian environment most of the time, they can get a little bit rattled by being in environments where there's, where there's different ways of thinking. And... And I said, and and what she said to me that I thought was really insightful was she said, well, you know, a lot of people probably have more difficult family members than you do. Because really at the end of the day, like most of the people that I'm going to interact with in the holiday season, I can get along with just fine. But I get that there are a lot of people who have the inflammatory uncle or, you know, the cousin who's always looking to pick a fight or the, you know, the, the person who's going to take every little thing as a slight or some sort of, you know, insult and, they, you know, whatever. There's all sorts of issues. And that's really hard to deal with. And I, I would just advise two two different approaches to that. Uh, number one, uh, this is sort of an internet term. Don't feed the trolls. What I mean by that is, you know what? Uncle makes an inflammatory statement. Okay. Okay. Wait, no, I can't, I can't just let that opinion be out there. I have to make sure people know that that's wrong and he needs to know that he's wrong. Does he? You going to convince him? In this setting? In this setting? Yeah. It's not, no. the, not the place. So, okay. Yeah. People that that are looking to create problems at holiday gatherings, I mean, they're fire, right? They want fire. So they're going to spit fire. And if you try to fight their fire with fire, it's just going to create an inferno. Mm -hmm. You just, okay, okay, pass the mashed potatoes. Okay, hey, how about this other thing? You know, that's just, it just, it quelches it immediately and it can create peace in what would otherwise be a hostile situation. I think it's so interesting. We get in these environments where we feel like we have to debate and we have to argue whether it's, you know, spiritual things or politics or, you know, parenting methods or, you know, whatever. And you just don't. 
Oh, but I have to defend myself. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. So, so don't feed the trolls. And then with that, just don't overreact. Don't overreact. I mean, we all have people that push our buttons. And I think going into gathering saying, you know, I'm going to be a peacemaker in this setting. I'm going to bring the light of Jesus in this setting. And I'm just, I'm going to be really difficult to offend. And I'm going to be really, it's just going to be really hard to get under my skin today. And I, like, I don't know, call, call me, uh, call me a Pollyanna, a little pie in the sky about this. But I just, I think that that has a huge effect. And just to know that, you know, I don't have to argue today. I don't have to get it. We don't have to dig up old hurts today. We can just enjoy each other if I'm committed to doing that. Yeah, no, I I have nothing to add. I I wrote down just a note on my paper, and it was just saying you will be provoked. Yeah, just it, it, when you know that, yeah. you it, there's a way to disarm. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. So so how about this one? It's almost cliche to say, oh well, you know, you get it too far into December, things just get crazy. Oh, it just gets crazy. It's busy. It's stress. It's all this other stuff. H- how can we practically kind of get a handle on that so that it doesn't doesn't kind of dominate the season. Um, so you have two different personality ways to look at that because um, the first one is to just say it does not have to be like this whole, it's going to force you into it. You're making decisions. Yep. You're in control of your own life. It's not now. So the way that the two personalities work is one says you need to be flexible and roll with it. Mm-hmm. The other personality says you need to plan way in advance. Mm-hmm. So that you are not stressed out during the holidays. Mm-hmm. If you are rolling in and going, oh my gosh, the last three days are so chaotic. I have to buy all my presents. You're putting your own pressure on that. <laughs> it's not like you went, yeah. oh my goodness, December 25th. That's Christmas this year. Right. Okay. We all knew it was coming the whole year long. So how about we we take some of that busyness or some of the, the literal demands. Now, most of the demands we can actually dismiss, but some we can't. Yeah. There are certain things where family is saying, we really like you to be available at these different events. Mm-hmm. And you feel like you it's necessary for you to go, to mm-hmm. be a blessing. Yeah. All right. But you don't also have to have all your wrapping on that same day. Yeah. You also don't have to have all your purchasing on that same day. Yeah. You have to be able to plan accordingly to mellow your season out. Right. Now, okay, confession time. How good are you at that? Um, I, well, okay. So a couple things. Um, so Susie and I, um, one of the things that we did is we found out early on in our marriage that we were never going to just have chunks of money sitting around in order to buy presents Mm -hmm. with that. We found that super quick. So we actually, a long, long, long time ago, Mm -hmm. when we were first married, we've been married for a long time. (laughs) Um, we, um, started putting money into a money market and we save for Christmas all year long. Yeah, we do little tiny bits because if it becomes a stressor going, that money's not there, that's an added burden. So in some ways we've done that very well. It takes that de-stressor out. The other thing, and and uh, usually if it's organized and healthy, it's probably my wife. Oh. <laughs> so just letting you know, you said how well am I at it? Yeah, I live in a household where um, that there's ways we plan it out. We also have to say no to some things. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, we are relatively good at it. Mm-hmm. I think what is hard for me is because of the church elements yeah. of the job. Mm-hmm. 
that I'm part of it. And it's once again, a lot of expectations where it disappoints family and things mm-hmm. like that. I think those are probably my more tension points. Yeah. But um, I've gotten better at it yeah. along the way. How about you? Yeah, it's challenging. No, yeah, kind of, kind of. Some good, some not as good. I think the, uh, you know, the financial element of it. Yeah, we've learned similarly. There's just tons of value in saving all year round for, uh, for the holiday. So it's not this like added. Oh my gosh, we have to come up with all this money right away, and that's huge. I would, I mean, maybe a little late this year for those who haven't done that. Right. But would encourage it for, uh, for next time. But no, I think that uh, yeah, to realize first of all that a lot of this busyness is self-imposed. It like, is. There was nobody that told me I could only buy Christmas gifts from December 22nd to December 24th. That's and I'm right. not great at that. I tend to be a little late to the game on buying gifts, which every year I say I'm going to be better. We'll see. Maybe this one. But uh, you know, I think that to, to, to kind of put different words to your point, just to realize like we all have a sense of kind of personal agency during this season that like I can actually make decisions that some things, as you stated, can be sort of imposed upon us. Mm-hmm. But nobody's saying you have to go to some of this stuff. If you're a person who needs their time to recharge, like you're allowed to say that everybody, like the world is not going to hate you because you take some evenings in the, you know, December teens and early twenties to just be to yourself. Now, if you're more extroverted and you like getting out there and do it, do it. Great. Have a good time, but realize you don't have to let the season get out of control control. It doesn't have to be this crazy, stressful time. There is a sense in which I think we give in to the cultural expectation when really we have the ability in some ways to opt yep. out of that. And a lot of it's just poor planning. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, yes. Amen. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, how about this? Now, your kids are a little bit older, but you've still got kids in the house. Mine are, mine are smaller. So you've got teenagers. I've got a six-year-old and a four-year-old. How do you make the season memorable for children or your family? Man, uh, whether you are a tradition person or not, so Susie's a tradition person, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Kids tend to be tradition people when they're when they're yeah. younger. They can decide later on in life whether or not they want to, but they really love memorial things. They yeah. love events. They love uh, big family time. They love things that are different. So I think any way you can highlight out different things. So one of the things that we always do in the winter, we those of you that listen to the podcast outside of you know, this Northern California area, there's an area called Apple Hill. Mm-hmm. Every time things start to get a little bit cool or cold or rainy or outside, we start thinking Apple Hill. And so our girls look forward to it all the time. Mm-hmm. And so to make it rich for them, creating consistent traditions is fun for them because it's a looking forward to. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is sometimes the kids like to um, put together what they call their bucket list of mm-hmm. different things that they would like to do during the holidays. So yeah. that, that's, that's kind of awesome. how we do that. Yeah. And we Love also it. try to bring in some depth to it. Yeah. A lot of that actually ends up being managed by the grandparents. So my mom and her mom mm-hmm. tend to lean into bringing more of that to the events. Yeah. So we don't have that on our plate. Now, when you say depth, do you mean kind of the spiritual component? The spiritual or, component. Yeah. I'm okay. sorry. Yes. Yeah. Um, where, you know, it will be the like my my mom will have all different kinds of new different little traditions on Christmas where we're mm-hmm. all hanging out together or, you know, or even on Thanksgiving, we're thankful for and we have a little treasure chest. Everybody gets one. I mean, it's little cute things like that. Yeah. No, that's great. What about you? I think those, yeah, those traditions are, are cool. And I, I think things like, you know, my kids love Christmas lights. So we always make a point to go out and see, yep. see lots of Christmas lights. And the, my kids are finally getting old enough where we can engage kind of in the, the spiritual side of, of Christmas a little bit more. So I'm looking forward to kind of leaning into that with, uh, with my kids this year. But I like to make sure that they're aware that, you know, 
December is different than March. You know, yep. like there's something special about this time of year that we're celebrating Jesus. And with that, there is family. There is, hey, our house looks different because we have some some decorations up and we have a tree up and, and things like that. Our time is spent a little bit differently because we're gonna we're gonna go out and do things. Maybe we'll, you know, my kids are old enough, we'll find a place to go serve for the holidays, or you know, we'll do all these different things. Um, so just to help them realize that this is a fun and special and exciting time. And you know, I I'm not anti-presence by any degree. I, I think that the exchange of gifts is beautiful. Oh, I think and it's wonderfully unselfish. It's, 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 it's not, it's not the focus from a materialism standpoint, but I want to teach my kids that giving and receiving gifts and expressing gratitude and enjoying uh, a gift you've received or blessing somebody that you're able to say, I love you. And I'm giving you something that I know that you're going to like. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. So, so I love that we're able to, to do that. And then, and then also from our family perspective, it's, it's funny, my, my parents and my in-laws are local and then plus, obviously, I work at a church, so I work Christmas Eve. So we, we've got the dance down in terms of from when the service ends on Christmas Eve all the way through Christmas night from, you know, her parents' house to our house to my parents, back to her parents to see different sides of the family at different times. Um, I actually love it. I love the routine. I think it, I think it still stresses my wife out a little bit, but, <laughs> yeah. but I think she's learned to love it too. And it's, it's just, it's always a very special kind of, um, Christmas Eve service is my favorite church service of the year, has been for most of my entire Christmas life, or excuse me, Christian life, <laughs> Christmas life. Um, but that kind of from the Christmas Eve service through the day, it's just, it's a beautiful 24 hours and I look forward to it every year. So last, last question I want to, I want to get to, and then we'll wrap things up. We've already talked a little bit about Advent, God, but you're not God. I am not. Lance. Thank you very much, but I'm glad that you confused the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> you're, so, you're just so similar. I just, I don't know. Anyway, uh, we've already talked about Advent a little bit, Lance, but can you talk maybe a little bit to close this out? How else can, can folks engage with God in a special way during this Christmas season? How, how, can, how can engaging with the Lord, celebrating what Christmas is about, how can that bring greater richness to the, to the season? Yeah, I, um, I think it can be anything as fun and simple as um, every Easter, my mom, for the, all the little kids, she makes what we call a lammy cake. And it's a little lamb-shaped, um, super yummy cake with all these different things on it. And so, but her whole idea is this is a Jesus cake, mm -hmm. right? So, And so it's singing happy birthday to Jesus during yeah. Christmas, or it's celebrating on Easter about how awesome he is. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it could be something as simple as that. I think that for other people, it's a matter of taking an evening, having a little coffee by the fire and journaling out and just writing a letter. Mm -hmm. um, Jesus, I'm, I'm thinking of you right now. Mm -hmm. And here's the things I'm thinking about. This season brings up this. This season brings up this in my mind. God, we've walked through so many holidays together and I just want to reflect with you. I, I'm, I think having that beautiful, special time, I think the other idea of looking at every holiday as a fun challenge of how do I bless people in the name of Jesus? Yeah. How do I make their day better? How do I enrich their holiday season? Because sometimes it's in the act of serving others that our own faith gets ignited. Yeah. And so I, I feel like these are all the ways that you bring the richness. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily saying, well, I have to have my nativity in the front so that everybody <laughs> knows. Although that can still be a fun thing. Sure. It can still be another beautiful witness opportunity. Yeah. So I think all of it together... But um, I do think that we just need to remember, um, hey, 
we're in charge of our lives. Yep. We we can bring this back to Jesus. We don't have to have everything ruined for us or be too busy. Right. We're in control. We can bring Jesus into all of it and and make it rich and beautiful and everything else. And I'll tell you, to take this full circle, because I asked you this question at the start of the show, for me, a big way of engaging with God during this season is actually music, is that I, I am a pre-Thanksgiving Christmas music is allowed. And I'm always looking, like we're in Am- we do Amazon music, so I'm always looking to see like what are the new Christmas albums each year, because whether it's the classics or newer songs, um, man, when I think about music that really speaks to me and I like music I'm not musical really myself but I think of some of the words of songs like Angels from the Realms of Glory or Hark the Herald Angel Sing or Oh Holy Night and man it is so deeply moving to me um, that for me in my own spirit in my own walk with the Lord uh, music is a big deal this time of year. And I love singing the songs of my kids. I love uh, listening to them as I'm working. I love just it being kind of the, the soundtrack of the season for me um, that then not only connects me more to God, but then, then it, you know, the hope is that it is inspiring all the things you're describing, serving, getting out into the community, uh, being a blessing, uh, bringing the joy of Jesus into both quote unquote Christian and quote unquote secular environments. Yeah. You know, in our house is very musical in the sense that Susie's playing worship all the time mm-hmm. On her cell phone, right? Yeah. And it's going on. And um, Andy, my youngest daughter, is so heavily involved in theater. She's yep. always playing music and singing music. And so when it starts shifting the different <laughs> seasons, boom, our house is alive with Christmas music. Whether you're bah humbug or not. They, they will crush <laughs> my darkness with their light. Yeah. I will tell you that. Boom. Amen. Uh, great. All right. Well, hey, uh, thank you so much, everybody, for uh, listening to this episode of Engaging Culture from Lance, myself, all of us here at Bridgeway. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And if you're local, we are sure excited to be able to celebrate the Christmas season with you. Join us in a couple of weeks for the next episode of Engaging Culture. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.